Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 70 of Multiple Calls. I'm Scott Hewlett. The quietest day or the hardest day? One thing that is consistent with firefighting is the inconsistency of physical and mental intensity through a career. It can keep things interesting, but matching ourselves to an erratic pendulum or pinning it to one side doesn't keep things healthy. A run of too many of either type of day in a row and we start to suffer and slide in both areas. Brains and bodies like novelty and predictability, challenge and ease, in a balance that varies slightly for each person, but within an arguable range, with the usual outliers. And there's the rub. There's nothing the firefighters love more than something that is arguable. And when that happens, things tend to get muddy and the point is lost. There's a lot of mud thrown when it comes to physical fitness for the job, and the outliers wear a lot of it. The highly intense get smeared for doing too much, and the low to no intensity gets smeared for doing too little. Let's clean it all up with some perspective. You aren't expected to be an Olympian, but you are expected to be able to perform on a hard day. Maximum intensity effort isn't always necessary, but maximum consistency of effort is. Not exercising in some way 30 times a year won't negatively affect you, but only exercising 30 times a year will. Ask peers that seem to be able to maintain about their consistency journey, not about what the level or type of exercise that they do. That's where the inspiration and motivation that leads to dedication will come from. What you do will depend on what you will keep doing and allow you to keep doing this job well, physically and mentally. Here's my chat with Chris Torres. Kick things off by telling me about where you grew up and a little bit about your family. Uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Mom's a nurse, father's a teacher. Raised primarily by my mom, and I've lived in a five boroughs with the exception of a short stretch my entire life. You mentioned in the write-up that your parents split and your mom pretty much raised you and your sister. Yeah, or I was maybe about uh, 10 or 11 years old, parents split, like you mentioned. So my mom wore as many hats as she possibly could and, and, and did her best with what she knew how to do. It worked out pretty well, I think. We're both pretty well-adjusted, no arrests, anything like that both homeowners now so we did okay and my mom is now just kind of she's now she's still working bless her soul as a, as a nurse so you can imagine how it is being a, a nurse during a pandemic and everything that happened and she was in a covid ward for a while so she was just constantly on edge but she's what am i i'm 35 that makes her 64 she's still going strong and i get a lot of my work ethic and a lot of my mannerisms from her yeah you uh, mentioned that she's primarily your biggest mentor she was mom and dad for a very long time. And as you can imagine, once I hit my growth spurt, trying to rein in a testosterone-filled teenager could be rough. So um, she she did a good job of putting me in place and, and, and keeping me on a straight and arrow. I didn't appreciate a lot. And I'm sure this is the same for a lot of people, so nothing I'm saying here is unique. But a lot of what she went through and, and a lot of things she had to do, I appreciate a hell of a lot more as an adult. Now having to go through the process of just trying to just readjust myself financially. And I had also gone through a divorce myself. So kind of having that similar ground with my mom in how the divorce process went and the, the clash of two personalities and how she really took that in stride relative to how my, my father had handled things. So a lot of who I am and a lot of how I act is, is it, I guess, I don't know, not to pump myself up, but a testimonial and a big credit to her. That's awesome. What was your school experience like? So I grew up in Canarsie, which is a rougher part of Brooklyn. From there, I went to Severian High School in Bay Ridge, which is it still is a, a very good school, although it's not all boys anymore, which 
kind of sucks because going to an all boys high school is kind of awesome. Uh, you can just kind of just be yourself and figure out who you were and who you are and develop to, uh, develop yourself into a, a halfway functioning adult. Pretty typical. I was a little more on the nerdy side. I did play uh, two varsity sports. I still play baseball, play baseball with the department. But uh, I was definitely a little bit more of a bookworm, a little more on the socially awkward side, and slowly broke out of that shell as as I'm sure a lot of young adults do, going into my college years, kind of exploring fraternity life the whole nine. You entered into a collegiate baseball career? I played four years at the Division three level, in the all in the same conference, in the CUNYAC conference. Two years at the College of Staten Island, and then two years at the City College of New York. It was definitely a tale of two different programs, because CSI was... I guess you would call it the traditional dominant powerhouse in that conference, as well as this region of the country. And it was a weird dynamic because the, the CUNYAC traditionally wasn't, and probably still isn't, unfortunately, a strong four-year baseball conference at the Division Three level. And we were playing opposite the NJAC, the New Jersey Athletic Conference, which on the flip, I think was like a top five conference. So at least four or five times a year, we were getting fed to schools that looked like look and were built like the New York Yankees. We're talking there was there was a team, College of New Jersey, interlocking NJ pinstripes. And we were there wearing at that point, not secondhand jerseys, but definitely not the nicest jerseys on the market, and would just get our brains beat in. Definitely teaches you a little bit about humility. And it was a, a gentle reminder, or maybe a not so gentle reminder that I probably wasn't gonna play at the next level based off of me getting lit up by contemporaries at the same level with most things right you don't realize how many levels there are to things until you're experiencing it with against people that are above you there's always someone bigger badder and hungrier than you are and a lot of these guys you could tell were trying to play for either the next level or to transfer to a, a division one or a division two school and these guys played like it and it showed on the field you're pitching for fdny currently pretty much since i got off probation actually not pretty much since i got off probation i've been with the FDNY baseball team, and I've had the opportunity and the the honor to pitch against other agencies, NYPD included, and a couple of international agencies as well. That's been probably the highest level baseball I've ever played. I never had the opportunity, nor was I good enough, all be told, to play at any independent minor league level or anything of the sort. And a lot of these guys did, and having the opportunity to square off against these guys and represent my myself and my department. It's been awesome. And fast forward eight years later, I'm one of the guys who's been on the team probably the longest continuously. And it's something I enjoy and look forward to. And I take a lot of pride in that. Hopefully, I don't think I'm slowing down. I mean, my body will tell me when it's time to quit. But it's been a lot of fun. And it's something that I hope to continue for as long as I can. How's the league set up? How does it work? How many games are you playing? How many teams are there? So we play in the traditional men's league. So... FD1 football team actually plays in a league against other agencies, whether it's fire, law enforcement, or anything like that. And it's it's very competitive. They're, they're definitely along the lines of a semi-pro league. Traditionally, what we've done is we've jumped into a couple of extremely competitive men's leagues out on Long Island and the five boroughs that do have guys who are getting paid to play. We do mix it up pretty regularly, especially within the last, say, three or four years against other agencies uh, outside of things like world police fire games and u.s police fire championships um for tournaments so the last two years or two or three years we've gone down to dallas for the fire police world series and we're we're squaring up against some of the best competition that the fire and police world can put together whether it's 
us, which I do believe we are one of the best fire teams in the country. And we've played against Toronto PD, NYPD, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, Boston Fire. Great set of guys. They're actually hosting it this year. So we're going to be going up there in August for another tournament. And this year we're playing in probably one of the best semi-pro leagues in the Northeast called the Zaria League. It's definitely a different animal because, again, these are guys who are coming off of pro contracts or looking to get signed to the next level. So we're playing it uh, against not too dissimilar from college, and it's crazy how much it parallels itself, a bunch of guys who are playing for the next level. Even at 35, I'm still seeing guys who are in their early 20s trying to make a name for themselves in baseball. It's pretty cool to be into something that's gives you a broader scope of the fire service, right? And meeting guys and girls, people from all across the country or even in North America. You don't realize, and this isn't pumping up FDNY, but you don't realize how big a name the FDNY is until you actually step outside of the five boroughs. And we run into a lot of guys who have very, very similar experiences. And it's nice to see that uh, what's done in our part of the world isn't too far off from what's done in other parts of the country. And a lot of these guys are just happy to play ball just like we are. But once the game starts, we're trying to tear each other's heads off. And it's it's awesome. The game's not that they're chippy, but they're definitely intense. There's definitely a little bit of shit talking going on, but it's, it's a lot of fun across the board. Having that opportunity to kind of see where we stack up with our contemporaries in the same profession is unbelievable. Yeah, we recently saw that chippiness with the uh, FDNY hockey. I was waiting for that. <laughs> uh, and you know, it, it, it's maybe a little bit magnified or more, uh, magnified a little bit more because Barstool covered it. And they're big in the whole rough and rowdy scene. There's one shot. Again, I don't know the guy's name on. Uh, I know some of the guys on hockey team. This guy I don't know. But just a one hit or quitter to a guy on NYPD. And that was, this was probably one of the more aggressive games in the past year. Definitely one of the more high scoring games. 8-5 in hockey is the equivalent of 38-31 in football. Not a lot of defense, a lot of chippiness. Our games are a little bit more tame than that. <laughs> a lot more of that aggression or that chippiness is more so in the crowd because to my knowledge, the FDY and NYPD hockey teams maybe play each other just that one time. If not, maybe if there's a tournament, maybe they mix it up again. Aside from the big game that we're now going to be doing at City Field, which is going to be on August 10th, we run into these guys usually in the semifinal or final rounds of a lot of tournaments because both of us are, both us and NYPD are very, very good, very, very competitive teams. So there's a little bit more of a rapport with these, with us. Plus, just baseball as a whole is a hell of a lot less aggressive than hockey. So these guys have a year just kind of to build up tension and blow off steam in one game. I think last year, again, through tournament ball, through a lot of, unplanned events we ran into these guys i think we played them something like five or six times and, and split right down the middle were you into other sports as a kid yeah i played a little bit of uh of basketball coming up and i was into martial arts up until my early 20s but baseball was just the kind of thing i took to a little bit more that's the one thing me and my father did do together and have in common so that's something that i stuck with and when you have a little bit of a success in something, you kind of tend to favor a little bit more. So as I got older and my priorities became a little bit more in line with what my goals were, baseball seemed to be the most consistent thing in that. And that's something that, again, I started playing when I was maybe eight or nine years old and I'm 35 now. The only season I've missed was when I was in the academy just because I had a mortal fear 
uh, of getting hurt. So I, you know, I didn't want to show up to the academy on you know, Monday morning holding my hamstring because I was an idiot trying to leg out a single. For the most part, it's pretty much been baseball. Again, I dabbled in MMA in my early 20s. A couple of concussions put a pretty quick kibosh on a lot of that. But uh, there's also CrossFit, too, which I picked up in my mid-20s. Uh, mid Actually, no, I took the test when I was 24. So right around then is the time I kind of fell into the sport of fitness. And that's so double that with baseball. Those have been my two primary sports, probably for the better part of the last decade. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to dive a bit more into CrossFit as we go here. What jobs did you have before the fire service? Whatever job I could get my hands on. I did graduate with a four-year degree. Unfortunately, it was a degree in history because I was originally a nursing major. Me and math as a whole don't play nice. So so anytime there was numbers involved, it, it hurt my GPA more than did anything else. So after I played four years of college ball, it was like, all right, I mean, I'm, no, I'm not much closer. I have credits, but nowhere what i need to to get to nursing i was probably staring down the barrel of three more years after i finished my college and a lot of people go to school for seven years they're called doctors i was trying to become a nurse here so i took the four-year degree in history which was awesome i enjoyed the classes and my goal was to going to nursing school and go to a for-profit nursing school just kind of fast track that that rn process during that time i was kind of working a lot of retail jobs i was working for reebok for a good stretch during their run with the NHL. And this is right around the time that they had a partnership with CrossFit. And that's how I kind of fell into the whole CrossFit scene. CrossFit from there, from Reebok, it was, I fell in love with the sport of fitness, became a trainer. So immediately before, immediately before I got into the academy itself, I was a CrossFit coach and personal trainer for a full year, which was probably a uh, the biggest blessing in disguise, not realizing what I was about to put my body through in the academy and my first few years on the department. So it's just a lot of retail. My first job was at Foot Locker when I was 15 years old. So I've been working for a while. It was the uh, the industry and the world I was in prior to getting on the fire department. And what was the first exposure to the fire service? What made you want to take that route? Like I said, I, I'd gone to school. I was going into nursing school. Not that I wasn't keen or motivated to go into nursing, but I was like, I wasn't at that point. I was still kind of wavering on whether or not that was for me. So my cousin who is on a job, Sign me up for the test. He goes, you're taking this test. I'm like, what? He goes, no, I'll, you just show up here at this date, take the test. So I was like, all right, man, what the fuck ever. Look, fine, <laughs> fine, I'll do it. I was supposed to take the test a few weeks after Hurricane Sandy. So that left me a decent amount of time to study because I was living at that point with my grandmother on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And just before the hurricane hit, they preemptively cut off all power. So I was limited as to what I could do. It was pretty much just batting down the hatches, make sure everything was okay. Luckily, that part of Manhattan didn't flood. You were just outside of that flood zone. But at that point, I had just gotten a bunch of test prep books to help me study for the for the exam itself. So once I got my grade back and I got my list back, I was like, oh man, this is actually there's a, a it's a hundred percent chance that I'm going to get called for this job before I ever start. A nursing school class, which I, I think something like from the day I got sworn in, I think nursing school probably would have started about six weeks after that. So I wasn't too far off. So it was just right place, right time, and really not knowing what I wanted to do with my career. And my cousin, like I said, he's, he's a fireman. He's a captain now. And I never, I mean, I, I've been to his firehouse a handful of times, but I never really looked at it as a future until 
I took the test, did well, and then ultimately fell in love with the job. So fast forward almost nine years now, I can't imagine my life without it. With the interest in medicine and pre-hospital care, do you do the fire medic thing now? Is that an option for you? Unlike a lot of other departments, there isn't the the prerequisite requirement to be an EMT or a paramedic prior to getting on, right? I mean, it does help. They're, they're FDY, the medical branch, EMS, and fire are two separate entities, and it does help to be an EMT prior to. I didn't get a whole lot of medical training in college, like uh, pretty much AMP one and two, and a couple of pre nursing courses. So this, I'm a little bit more familiar with the human body. I probably learned a, a lot more as a trainer and getting the certifications there, the personal training certifications, the strength and conditioning certifications, than I did a, in nursing school. My wife's EMS and seeing what she goes through and sees, I don't think I'd necessarily be able to do it. She's built differently. 110%. She could turn it on and off and be okay. Is it something I would explore maybe later on down the line, but it was never something I was fully exposed to until I was already on the fire department. What was the recruit experience like? How was it in the academy? The academy was a monster culture shock without a doubt. So no military experience, right? So the first time I had really, and mind you, my mom was both a mentor and also a disciplinarian. So the first time I got my ass chewed out by a grown man was in the academy. And that's not something I was 110% ready for. So for the first, I would say like two or three weeks of the academy, it was adjusting to getting just, it, it, it was all constructive. Yeah, the, the, the idea was to break you down and build you up in the image of what's needed to get the job done. But once I got past that initial shock and awe, and I got a mo- little bit more of a handle on how things are done and got my hands on tools, learned the terminology, the whole nine. I actually enjoyed, I would say, like the back two thirds of the academy. It became a lot of fun. And that was my first, that was my, like the dating period with the fire department. That's where I really learned to enjoy and love the job. So the, the short answer is the first third sucked. The second two thirds were great as I got close with my squad, kind of learning the firehouse culture and the and the fire department culture. So it was definitely a positive experience, but definitely a crash course in life. <laughs> and how were the rookie years after that? Proby years or proby years. I was definitely, as a proby, my own worst enemy and a little bit of a heat shield for the guy who came to the firehouse with me. I had an opinion, wasn't afraid to share it, which is a problem as a proby. And I listen, I eventually learned and caught on and learned my way ins and outs of the firehouse. I was at a really good spot. I was at a single engine. So I got my reps as an engineman in pretty much exclusively until I went on my rotation. It was a younger firehouse. A lot of guys with, I would say, at that point when I got there, maybe these guys were getting close to that five-year mark. But for the most part, it was a very junior house. And... It was a good mix at that point. I was when I was working, I was working with the senior guy in the house who could look at something, take it apart mentally, put it back together, blindfolded. The guy was a mechanical wizard. So and pumping and, and being an engine chauffeur were second nature to him. Great guy. Phenomenal cook at that too. But I learned a lot during that first six month window because of who I worked with. I worked with a senior guy who knew his stuff. And a junior guy who became one of my best friends to keep me in line and kind of be like, dude, at one point I wanted to fight this guy. I wanted to beat the ever living shit out of this guy. And fast forward a couple of years, I got remarried. He was one of my groomsmen. So I definitely appreciate the lessons 
and what he instilled in me. But the the first the proby years, the per, the first couple months were tough because again, I was coming from a world of personal training, not exactly a one to one to the firehouse. After that, again, same thing. Once I kind of learned my way and figured out that there's a right and a wrong way to do things on the job. At that point, I, I can't say the job became easy because there's no such thing as an easy anything on this job. Everything comes with work. But I started to enjoy myself a whole lot more. And when did you end up connecting with Blake Stinnett and Next Rung? I was working loosely with another not-for-profit organization. We'll leave the name out of it. It's not important. I broke away, started IGY6, and had gone through the process of building that up and trying to kind of establish myself in that space he reached out to me initially like hey brother listen i see you doing this thing you know you're great i wish i could do his accent because there's there's the southern accent and then there's the blake's the accent muffled by a mustache blake it's time to trim that thing <laughs> initially it was just hey brother i see you're trying to do some things here if you have any questions you need help just being friendly right around this time my first marriage was was on the rocks and ultimately led down the road of divorce but i was going through i was going through it at that point I had just transferred to another firehouse just because I wanted to see a different side of the job. And and again, I was working in a single engine, so the opportunity to get truck work was only there on details. So I took the leap and transferred to a truck company. And going through the divorce, learning a new firehouse culture, learning a new side of the job that I really hadn't had all that much experience with, some of my own personal quirks, I was having a really rough time. And that resulted in some serious mental health issues. And I was in a really dark place. Uh, I mean, I wasn't abusing drugs or alcohol of the sort. I was just, uh, in my opinion, I was doing something worse. And I was beating the shit out of myself mentally and emotionally and not having an outlet for it. And I couldn't go home with it because I had a marriage that was failing. And we were two people who didn't necessarily want to be around each other at that point. So I was in the gym hours upon hours of the day, just just trying to find time to to fill. It wasn't even training at that point. I was just doing whatever I had to do in the gym. So I was training a crazy amount. I mean, there's a fringe benefit to that. Yeah. But at some point it became self-destructive. And I think me and Blake might've just had like a, a small BS conversation. And that BS conversation slowly trickled into pretty much Blake puncturing my emotional bag. And it all came out. It all flowed. We spoke, I think it might've been at this point, we still might've been on social media, but he did give me his number and he talked me through some of my, my darkest stuff. And it was to the point where I, I had, I was considering doing physical harm to myself and he did a great job of kind of bringing me back to center and, and putting things in perspective. And from there, what started initially as him just trying to help a guy who who had a small, I guess at this point it was a small business to helping somebody who might've had a small issue that was going on at home to bringing a guy back from the brink of, of serious, serious depression and issues. And through that became one of my best friends and, and one of my mentors now as an adult, that's where my wantingness to be not necessarily involved with next wrong because I, I I know at that point I was like God these guys actually go out or or there as a resource to help people talk and whatever it was but I knew I wanted to do something to at least help that process and not necessarily be affiliated with them but do something to help them have the means to do whatever they needed to do that was my first little intro into Blake what I had, I had heard of next wrong through the lens of someone else who was just was very ego driven about their own brand. And 
functionally buried next wrong and that individual couldn't have been any further away from the truth and the fact of what next wrong is and how they operated that was a mouthful but yeah that's kind of uh how me and blake became friends and brothers and then how did you transition to, into being a peer support counselor and maybe to walk me through your experience of interacting with people in that way outside of or in a different way than you had before just physically as a trainer like I mentioned earlier, I, I set up IGY6 NYC, just call it IGY6 Fitness for short, to get people prepped for the academy and help members of service regain control of their fitness. And that's something that we, we still do. And it's actually, it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of branched off into something a little bit more quasi-national, which is great. And in doing my work in the gym on myself, plus receiving help with Blake and Nexrum, the marriage of the idea of strong mind and strong body came from that, where train the mind the same way you train the body and vice versa. So one can't survive without the other. And the gym training, physical fitness is a form of therapy. Before I ever became a peer counsel with Nexrong, we put together the throwdown events to help. And I'm sure that's something we'll dive into. The throwdown events in order to help raise money for what Nexrong is. And in the process of setting up that first throwdown, I believe it was the first throwdown, Blake initially came to me with the idea of, hey, man, you know, what do you think about? Actually, let me back up. He goes, because I'm at one point I said, dude, I have no interest in, in being a peer counselor. Verbalizing and talking, I can, but it's really not my thing. And I probably more so at this point, I was kind of still dealing with the aftermath of whatever I was going through. He goes, hey, man, I, I think you'd be a really good fit for this considering you, you, you've gone through it. What do you think about doing it? And this was during the setting up the first, uh, like I said, setting up the first rowdown. And he set me up with a training opportunity to become a peer counselor through a, a web seminar hosted by uh, Captain Dina Ali. She's awesome. Um, and I've worked with her in the past, and it was, it was nice to also just have the opportunity to reconnect with her. And in that, I'm like, oh, man, a, a lot of the, the methodology and, and what was done were things that worked for me. So if... Coming from the, the I guess, the background of somebody who had gone through the peer counseling, the next logical step for me would have been to, aside from help next one have the resources to help other people, was to eventually become a resource myself. Considering that there's probably someone else who's gone through a, a somewhat similar situation and being empathetic to that is, uh, my opinion, a very strong starting point for a peer counselor. So the conversation started over setting up a throwdown and Blake just kind of lobbed it up there. And I was like, you know what? Let's see what happens. And the first couple of calls were interesting. I was actually more paranoid about telling someone the wrong thing or, or talking too much or whatever it might be. But that's how I kind of fell into the world of peer support. And it kind of took off from there. And what have you taken from it since that sort of eye-opening, mind-opening experience of starting to talk to people one-on-one -on, -one on that level? Like, how has it helped you grow? The big thing was, is that not that my situation wasn't unique or personal to me, but there's other people who have gone through a very similar situation. So for as alone as I felt in that moment, taking a step back and then diving into peer support helped me realize that Put it in perspective that I wasn't alone because a lot of the phone calls I've taken in have been people going through a very similar situation to one degree or another, whether it's somebody having a tough time with 
firehouse culture or a new firehouse or somebody going through a failing marriage or someone who doesn't want to be home because they can't stand the sight of their wife, whatever it might be. Uh, it it kind of helped me realize that and mental health is something I still deal with and, and struggle with almost on a day-to-day basis. But knowing that I'm not alone in that process has definitely helped me grow into a more effective peer counselor on the phone and definitely more so in person. So with IGY6, is the mental aspect of well-being sort of offered? Is it mentioned? Is it more overt part of it? How is that integrated into that? The big thing that is preached in, at least in person, right? Because we run in-person sessions and group training sessions and the whole nine is, is a shift in mindset. A lot of people, or not a lot of people, but people who have walked in the door of IGY6 or whatever facility we're operating out of have a negative. Some people come with a great attitude, like, listen, I just want to fine tune myself at the academy and make sure, or even the job, make sure that I'm primed to be able to, to handle business and earn my spot. There are some people in there that come with the, the, the negative minds of, I'm extremely out of shape. I don't know if this job is for me. I'm here to avoid failure as opposed to succeeding. So the mindset aspect of it and the ability to talk through what someone's feeling with is something that isn't as out front as it is with next one, because at our core, we are a fitness program that ha- that offers the ability to alter and shift the mindset. Now, sometimes in, in having conversations with, candidates and and clients of IGY6 that sometimes parlays itself into a conversation about other things. So there are times where after a session, I have been a peer support counselor. The unity and marriage of IGY6 and what NextRung does, does serve a purpose in regards of me being the biggest possible resource for somebody who's never had any exposure to the fire service and is dealing with uncertainty. You also never know what someone's dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And sometimes the best part of their day is coming to the gym, crushing a workout, and then being a little bit more clear about things like perspective, goal setting, things like that. I mean, somebody could come into the gym feeling very down about themselves and do something they didn't think was possible. And that could trigger a shift in how they think. So, Sometimes the, the the body can't set the mind right. But then again, there's days where I've spent an hour or two just talking with people or talking with one or two people afterwards who are going through something or whatever it might be. So at its surface, IGY6, like I was saying, is a physical fitness program with a side of getting your mind right. Yeah, physical fitness is definitely probably one of the most powerful forces for maintaining your mental well-being. And as hard as it is for people to get their physical fitness straightened out, I think a lot of people would prefer to do that than face the mental side of things. Do you find that, and I think you meant you touched on sort of how you were handling this initially early on, people get a taste of what, or their minds get opened and they get some benefit from the physical activity, but then they wholly lock into that as the one way or the one thing that they do and maybe miss out on it opening doors to doing the other things you need to do to holistically take care of yourself the way the gym can function there is a chemical response in the brain to physicality right there's some people who after a gym session feel euphoric 
right? And sometimes when you're dealing with whatever it is at home and you're emotionally out of it, the brain has a way of giving you a pick-me-up. And again, I, I don't want to misquote the the neurological pathway or the the chemical, the, the science behind it, because I'm I'm <laughs> I'm a fireman, not a damn scientist. Being in the gym can elicit a response for positive thought. What the gym also does, also, and it, it it can humble you very very quickly, and it can force you to think. And sometimes it can put you in a position to overthink. If you come into the gym not in the right mental headspace it's magnified in whatever you're doing in the gym and i can i I could point to myself as a perfect example where there's weight that on any given day i would hit my eyes closed and then i would come in the next day after maybe dealing with whatever whether it's rough call at work things at home whatever might be that same weight will crush me and sometimes through being a competitive athlete in baseball and in uh in within the crossfit world taking a step back and analyzing all right what am i doing why am i here and why am i feeling this way can help and bring myself back to center now with igy6 and the in-person setting sometimes as a coach you'll be the one to be like all right take a step back what can you do differently what did you do what did you feel I do my best to put someone in a position to understand why their body is doing what it's doing and why it feels like that, which can also parlay itself into, hey, dude, you're moving fine, but your head's not there. What's going on? How are things at home? What can you do differently at home? What can be done differently around you to help to help bring you to a point where you can focus a little bit more clearly? And that's where I think the benefit of, of being diligent with your fitness and having a clear goal as opposed to arbitrary movement can help in the long run by being organized in one aspect of your life can help organize a lot of other aspects both in your personal life and professional there and i forget the commencement speech but it was and i'm sure the second i say you can be like oh that one it was a commencement speech at a college and i forget his name and it, and it kills me that I don't remember the name. His one thing was, if you're going to do anything during the day, make your bed, right? Because that, that that's one accomplishment, one thing you've done with your day. It was a, a Navy I Admiral, think, I think, right? Yes, yes, something like that. And if you think about it, at, at its base level, it makes all the sense more because you've accomplished something for the day, right? You've put your day in motion in some kind of organized, positive way. The gym isn't that much different from that ideology and methodology on a different level and it's the same sort of message with jordan peterson and start by cleaning your room same idea any calls that stand out for you any teachable moments were you surprised by the job at all anytime there's actually a working fire anything structural you have to get your your hands on a tool or a hose line whatever it might be knowing that almost at will i can command my body to do whatever it needs to do without any fear of not so much without any fear, but with fatigue and being tired, not so much on the forefront of my mind and being able to just operate is probably the, the one thing that I, that sticks out in any given situation, whether it's having a, a pretty rough climb up a ladder or an aerial, and then from there having to cut a roof, pull, whatever it might be, and being able to do that 
or move lengths of two and a half inch hose, whatever it might be, knowing that I'm going to have the ability to get myself in a position and then go on air and have to operate are just a couple of instances where that, that stick I'm at. So it's the, 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 the short answer is I, there's not one particular instance that sticks out in my mind, but the ability to do my job to the best of my physical ability to the point where all I have to do is think about the job at hand and not about how I'm feeling is something that that stays with me more than anything else. Would you tie that same mentality into drilling and perfecting skills as well? And and I guess with CrossFit, with training for so long, body mechanics, movement, repetition, second nature, you probably already had a strong awareness of what the benefit of that is. 110%. I mean, a, a lot of anything that's done, physically speaking, on this job is about utilizing your body to the greatest extent possible. Right. Like best example I can give is is deadlifting. You can keep the idea is butt down chest up, keep a flat back and chest and knees rise at the same time. So you're not lifting with your back. It can be the same thing as picking up a stretcher or picking up a hose line, moving it, pushing it, pulling it, whatever it might be. The ability to exhibit proper body mechanics in any situation, again, forcing a door, especially more than anything else, working leverage, using your body. That's something that's very teachable. And that, if anything, I think what the old quote is on this job, you can be two things. You could be strong or stupid, one of the two, or something along the lines that he is smart or strong or whatever it might be. A lot of shortcomings. Now, this isn't me saying you can't afford to be proficient at your job. At minimum, every farmer needs a base knowledge of, of what they're doing. If you're an engine man, be great at engine shit. If you're a truckie, be great at truck stuff. But... Being able to physically do the job makes other aspects of the job that much easier. So even in a drill scenario, there's the the hands-on mechanics of it. There's also the body mechanics of it, both of which are teachable. And those in it, in whatever drill situation might be are things that need to be addressed. With CrossFit, I think for people on the outside that haven't been involved in it, I've done a few things here and there, CrossFit type work, but haven't been in the community. I think one of the downsides i guess or things that is it a myth i'm not sure it's volume of work right it seems to be day after day after day and you look at the workouts it's a high volume of work and i understand that you can scale it so my question from that either ignorance or thought to you is how have you balanced and been able to maintain over the years and keep training have you and do you encounter other people that are like always trying to push the limit every single time they work out or have you learned over time to sort of meet your body where it's at? Okay, I can push to this level today, push to this level tomorrow. And you see the long run as opposed to I need to come in and every single time I come in, I need to PR and push my limits. That question has a couple of different layers to it. So it's all a matter of what your purpose of training is, right? If you're training for, we'll just say job readiness or general fitness, the idea of coming in and peeing our every day is probably not the best idea. Now, where CrossFit gets a bad rap, at least traditionally, or I, and we say CrossFit like CrossFit is a sport. CrossFit is a name brand that is licensed out to gym. So we'll just say high intensity functional training, right? Hit whatever. That's also a brand too. Functional training, right? A lot of that comes down to how the fitness itself is, is attacked. And what I mean by that is how is it being programmed, right? You can throw a super amount of volume at anything and yes, somebody could probably do it, but there's, there's the, the increased 
chance of, of, of injury. So it really comes down to programming and who's doing the programming for you and does this programming fit your needs? Does the programming fit what you do on a day-to-day basis? So if I'm training as a, as a fireman right, or training just for job readiness, my levels of intensity on a day-to-day basis are going to vary on a couple of different factors. One of it being being how my body's feeling, sleep, when am I working, when did I work last, things like that. So a lot of different things need to be taken into account. So for somebody who doesn't necessarily know where to go for programming, the easiest thing to do is start with someone in the same occupation as you who understands the strains of the body. And that's something that when I started really looking into training a little bit more seriously, I reached out to a contemporary of mine who I love her to death. She's great. She's halfway out of mind. Britt Holmberg. She's a, a fireman up in Brampton, Ontario. She's on my crew. Oh, she's awesome. <laughs> she's good people, but she programmed for me for a while. And we would do different training days based, based on how I feel. So it, there wasn't, it wasn't really a linear fitness program. It was high intensity today, medium intensity day, low intensity day. High intensity day is, all right, you got a good night's sleep. You probably had a day off. You're primed to go. Medium is you're, you just came off of, off of work or you're about to go into work. We're looking to train. Let's get it done. Lower intensity days is you just got your balls rocked in at night. You either had a job or you didn't sleep, but you're going to move today. So in that regards, if you're if it's a job readiness thing, it's train for the job that you have, right? On the flip, if you're training as a competitive athlete, your needs are going to vary differently from what the tactical athlete or what the occupational athlete is going to need. Now, for the, the individual just trying to get back in shape, the best advice I can give, especially when it comes to – now, we're going to look more so at, say, like the CrossFit gyms or the F45s, whatever it might be, is do your homework on the place, right? I'm not saying necessarily go on Yelp because Yelp can be a really fickle place. One negative experience, more often than not, is indicative of the overall experience. But you, the best thing you do is reach out to someone who knows more than you. And I do the same thing all the time because I don't have all the answers. And there's there's people who are in the fitness industry full-time as a professional. This is what they went to school for. This is what they have a degree in. So the, the best advice is, is, is ask questions and have somebody take a look and be like, hey, listen, this is what they did for the week. What do you think? And anybody who has been in the fitness industry for a moderate amount of time can be like, look, this is an insane amount of volume. The programming doesn't entirely make sense. And you're more inclined to be sore for a longer stretch of time. I mean, I I think that the big issue with a lot, and now we're going to point back again, back at the CrossFit gyms, is that a lot of CrossFit gyms will try and pack 15 pounds of shit into a five pound bag, as opposed to focusing on, all right, this is what we're doing for the day. Let's prime you. For to, to perform at the highest level you possibly can today in this singular facet, as opposed to here's 17 different things, here's a three-minute warm-up. I'm not going to be able to explain it to you because we only have an hour class. When it comes to fitness as a whole, especially CrossFit, and CrossFit definitely does get a bad rap, is do your homework and look for someone or a contemporary in the field who can point you in the right direction, especially whether it's firefighters, law enforcement or military personnel, probably more so because our body of work and our ability to earn a paycheck is dependent on us actually showing up. So for the the, the functional or the tactical athlete, asking questions about the fitness you're about to expose yourself to is probably the, the, the more important end of things. Also finding somebody who will give it to you straight. 
not somebody. I, I would say best example. Don't ask about a gym's programming about a gym that you're considering giving your money to because they're gonna sell you the world. I would say you, the best bet is just to always refer to somebody who knows or at least has gone through it a little bit more than you have. Are there any social media pages that you'd recommend people follow? Are there podcasts on CrossFit that you think are on point that have that sort of mentality you're talking about? I'll point directly to IGY6, which is at NYC underscore IGY6, fitness six, the number number six. We post daily workouts, right? And a lot of the workouts we put together are based off what we're doing in our in-person sessions and our remote training sessions. So that's a little bit more linear. So you're not going to have back-to-back 30 to 40 minute workouts, the the degree of intensity varies on a day-to-day basis. And we do our best to be as approachable as possible. So whether it's, it, it may not necessarily be my page. It could be, it could be floor above fitness, who is, uh, Timmy Collins is again, one of my very, very good friends in the same space. He used to actually be a city cop. He's a fireman. God, I hope it's either Yonkers or Westchester. Once you get out North of the Bronx, I don't know much about New York state, but find someone who's approachable and willing to explain their workouts. There's only so much I can do in a caption, but I have had people reach out to me via DM or whatever might be like, Hey, what did you mean by this? And if I don't know it, I will find a YouTube video and send you the link for it. I would say somebody who's looking for, for fitness stuff, gear yourself toward an organization or a page that is a little bit more specific to what you're doing. But there are a lot of fitness resource out there. One, and I'm not the biggest fan of the, the 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 page itself or or how it's formatted, but there's Instagram accounts like Wadwell, which just have thousands upon thousands of submitted workouts. For better or worse, there's some great workouts on there. There's some workouts that have no business seeing the light of day in fitness. But it's a resource for workouts. Proving grounds. That's that's a program I'm actually following myself now. They post daily workouts and the beautiful thing about their workouts is it'll mirror or build off of what was done a day before, the week before, and the month before. Proving Grounds is a great one. And then there's some of the bigger names within the fitness industry, whether it's Invictus or Mayhem. The resources are out there. And I'm not afraid to admit that that people have come to me and, and asked me, hey, your workouts are good. Where else can I find stuff? I'm not here to make a buck. If I make a little bit of money, great. That 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 helps me pay for groceries. I'm not trying to get rich off of anything I do with IGY6. I'm also not afraid to point someone in the direction of what is the better fit for them. And I think as someone in the fitness space, ego has to be taken out of it. You have to kind of look at what the individual needs and be fair to them. Because it's very easy to be a little bit of a dick in this space where in reality, the, the goal here should be a more fit, proficient, and efficient first responder. And the feeling of community. Absolutely. That, that goes without say, saying. I mean, I've said it on... There was one interview I did, and I think it's applicable here that firefighting is the ultimate team sport. Now, we might have, quote unquote, different uniforms on, but in reality, we need to look out for each other in a, in a fair space. And a lot of that gets lost with things like ego, personal beef or vendetta, whatever it is. But ultimately, we really should be looking to build up each other and help elevate the bar. Because right now, as the bar sits, the bar is the bare minimum standard. And I'll point directly to things like the CPAT. As great as the CPAT is, if you're juiced that you barely pass the CPAT, reevaluate what the hell you're doing. Because the CPAT, they do their best to, to, to mimic conditions encountered 
on the fire ground for somebody who's never encountered conditions on a fire ground. But if, if you're sucking wind or struggling on the stairs or, or really eating it, that's your opportunity to reevaluate and do things a little bit differently. Uh, you mentioned some social media pages. Are there podcasts? Are there CrossFit podcasts? Are there fitness podcasts that you listen to that are worth checking people into? As far as fitness podcasts goes, it's kind of like the same thing with me watching a baseball game. I mean, I could sit there, I could watch the Yankees nonstop, but what I really want to do is get out there and play, right? There's definitely a couple of good podcasts I would suggest more so for a shift in mindset. Jocko's podcast is definitely a great. If you're looking just to get motivated or let me not say motivated because motivation is is fleeting, but a, a change in mindset where discipline comes more at the forefront, Jocko's podcast is definitely pretty solid. Depending on the day and the the subject matter, Joe Rogan's got a great head on his shoulder when it comes to how to attack anything. And then I would say any one of the the first, not any one, let me rephrase, certain first responder podcasts like Multiple Calls, Firehouse Tribune, oh, was it? It's the, it used to be called the Professional Volunteer, the Professional Brotherhood. I'm trying to think. There's, there's a few other ones that I've listened to. Some of them, unfortunately, aren't around anymore. But if there's a first responder run podcast that brings somebody on with in the fitness industry, whether they're known or unknown, it might be worth giving them the listen. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who don't know who the hell I am. If one or two people who want to listen to this come to me and reach out for any kind of assistance or help, I look at this as a win personally for me and as, as a win for them. So maybe more so the, the podcast again, within the industry would be a great place to start. But some of the bigger names, again, Joe Rogan and uh, Jocko's podcast is, is definitely, if you're looking to run through a wall, Jocko will have to help you run through that <laughs> fucking wall. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Have you encountered more support than pushback within your department with you being involved in CrossFit and IGY6 and what you're doing? For the most part, the, the support, especially on, on my department, has been nothing but positive. I mean, listen, there's always going to be detractors and there's people who... And again, this is across the board. And I'm sure it, it's nothing unique where you know, cloud chasing, whatever it might be. And that that's not the case. I'm not the guy trying to get rich off of anybody's shoulders. Right? My, my goal is I just want to see people succeed. And if I happen to be a small piece of that story, that's great. I mean, through IGY6, we've just on the FDNY alone, 25 firemen have come through our doors and it's been 25 in, 25 out. 25 through the, uh, onto the rock, 25 off the rock. And it's worked out well. I don't care if they never say my name again or give IGY6 any credit because IGY6 is not responsible for anyone's success. What we do credit ourselves with is having the ability to point people in the right direction and maybe help people get out of their own way to achieve success. But in no way, shape, or form do we build our resume off the backs of anyone else. Now, if somebody happens to be like, hey, listen, no, IGY6 and what Chris and Christine are doing over there is, it, it, is good stuff. Give them a look. I think they can help you out. Great. That's what we're here for. But I'm also not the guy who is going to to, to body shame someone or, or break their balls for being in anything less than the best possible physical shape for the job. That's not our purpose. Our job isn't to shame someone. Our job is to be there for when somebody needs us as a resource or as an outlet or for whatever we may need. That's the goal. The goal here is bigger than any kind of shine I could ever. If I never get any shine through any of the work IGY6 does, that's fine. But I know on our end, we've helped 25 people establish a living for themselves and their families. Whether we're giving credit for that or not, I don't give a shit. The purpose is its purpose. And 
I'm going to do this for as long as I can. Yeah. Intent is everything. Absolutely. What you see is what you get. We're not going to bullshit people. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to people. If there's something I don't know, guy, look, I don't know it, but you know what? I know somebody who might be able to let me talk to them. And if I feel like me being the middleman is convoluting any message, Hey, give this person a call. They could probably point you in a better direction than I could. Ego has to be taken out of anything when it comes to the fire service because ego is, is dangerous and it's also irresponsible. And those are two things I do my best to reel myself. My wife is also very good with that too. She'd be like, yo, you might've overstepped your boundaries here. Pull back, take a second and, and think. And that's something where I think that might be the more viable thing. The most viable thing I offer is the fact that if I don't know something, I'm willing to admit that and not lie to someone or, or bullshit them. What made you want to take CrossFit into a competitive space for yourself? And how's that journey been? The long answer is I never made it as a ball player and I wanted to stay competitive, right? The one thing, at least, and again, I haven't been to an introductory CrossFit class since probably my own, but the one thing CrossFit does well is add a competitive element to any given workout. Now, there's some people who do the me versus me versus approach, but I'm a ball player. I'm a pitcher. It's always me versus whoever's standing across from me. And the sport of fitness, CrossFit, functional fitness, whatever it is, whether it's a time priority workout or a task priority workout, it's either finish this as quickly as possible, amass as many reps of this, or lift this weight heavier than the other person. For a former collegiate athlete looking to regain control of his fitness, because my weight did balloon to over 240 at one point, having the edge of, of pitting myself and, and almost putting my pride on the line on a session-by-session -session basis helped prepare me for the academy. Now, what that ultimately did was once I kind of got into the deeper into the weeds of the CrossFit community space, I didn't know what the hell I was getting myself into. And then I saw that there were actual competitions. And about 10 years ago, there was 10, 11 years ago, there was a big spike in, in people looking to compete in a lot of local competitions. So if you wanted to compete four times a month on four weekends, you had the opportunity to do so. So the first one I did was an in-house competition. It was just a competition amongst the members, two divisions, the RX, which is considered like the heavy hitters, and then the scaled athletes. And I competed in scale because there were movements I didn't have. I just lost a lot of weight. So I could move weight, but not a ton of weight. I was able to move well. And for better or worse, I won that competition and I was hooked at that point. It was euphoric. The community aspect of it is nothing like I've ever seen before because, I mean, and it's something I still try to do today. If I'm done with the workout and I'm done with the workout before a vast majority of the field, I don't walk off the floor till everybody else is finished. And I think that's a, a well-run competition with a well-run and properly nurtured and bred community will hook anyone in. So the supportive aspect of it, plus me being just an overly competitive dick sometimes, <laughs> definitely helped or hooked me in to that space. And I mean, I, about three or four years ago, I tried to write down all the competitions I've done. And I'm pretty sure I left out a few and I've added some since. But it's a lot of fun. And that's probably my biggest draw to is that aside from the competitive nature of it, I'm enjoying myself while I'm out there. And you got asked to face off against a NYPD CrossFit member? Yeah, this was uh, the opening workout of the CrossFit Open last year. So this was CrossFit Open Workout 22.1. Now, the individual I was originally supposed to go up against 
very, very good Masters athlete who supposedly had gotten hurt, right? And was out of the open for whatever reason. He was hurt. I didn't know who I was going up against until a few days prior. The guy I went up against couldn't have been a more of a class act. He was a uh, was he is a great guy, very very good athlete, and on any given day would whoop my ass and work out, and vice versa. I mean, there's days I can I can I can take him also. He'd also been to the CrossFit Games as a teams athlete, so he had been to 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 the highest level of the the CrossFit world, which is the cross. Well, at that point, I think it was the Reebok CrossFit Games. So pressure was off. My opinion, once I found out who it was and what he's done, my job was to lose. And nobody would have been like, oh, oh Torres shit the bed. No, Torres lost to a guy who's competed at the world championships. So for me to get a win for the FDY against the NYPD was a big enough deal in any sport, whether it's the baseball game, hockey game, football game, whatever it is, that's a big freaking deal. And it being the first time we did it was an unreal experience and to be totally honest with you i never want to fucking do it again <laughs> because that was the most stressful head-to-head competition i've ever been before any in competition more often than not it's you and eight or nine other people in a heat so you're competing against eight or nine other people so attention is split eight or nine different directions you might have a group of people that are watching you compete and do your thing which is great this wasn't the case. We were the main event fight of the evening. So it was me, him, our judges, and an MC, and a lot of local media. He got ahead quick, and then he opened the gap. And as that workout progressed, at no point in time was I ever in cruise control, but I was moving at a sustainable pace. And then we're talking maybe a minute, if that, I saw him take a step back, put his hands on his hips. I was like, oh, this guy's blowing up. I got to keep going. I got to step on it. And during that whole event, and mind you, there's probably, a, 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 I would say close, probably close to about 100 people in a gym in Long Island City. During that time, there was only two voices I heard. It was my wife who's got this crazy drill instructor voice when she really wants to dig deep. It's actually terrifying. And uh, a friend of mine who's also on the job, Dan Tominski, those are the only two people I heard. So I was getting pushed by my wife and coached by Dan. And that I think that was one of the few times I was able to almost zone everything out and listen to these two guys. And when it was done, it was great. It was it was a big deal because this is something that we, we being FDNY Barbell Club, now FDNY CrossFit, had been trying to set up for at least at least the club's existence to that point. And we were, I think, I think we came about in 2018 or 2019. So to have this event go down in front of CrossFit HQ, in front of local media, in front of both teams as full rosters was a big, big deal. And I was just honored and privileged to pretty much be given the ball in that situation. It was unbelievable. And I really never want to do it again. <laughs> Tell me about the New York Minute. We were approached by CrossFit HQ. They had an idea like, hey, you know, we did this thing with you guys last year, the 22.1. Sorry, CrossFit Open Workout 22.1. And we have a workout and we want two firemen to go down and hit this workout. So it was me and another fireman on the team who, like, you, you couldn't really ask for a better pairing because we're both guys who just don't like losing. He was also a former ball player, played minor league ball, and he was a phenomenal athlete. 
And nine out of 10 times, this guy beats me on a workout. No questions asked. And it's not a surprise either. So we were approached and we were asked a couple of questions about job readiness and CrossFit and, and how one parlayed and helped, uh, helps the other. And that was again, a, a tough workout. And to my knowledge, the time we hit on that workout, I believe is still standing. I don't think we've been beaten on it yet. I know people have reached out to and say, listen, guys, I don't know how you guys pull that off. That was a tough workout. I think the time is still up there. That That's something I'm, I'm proud of and proud to hang my hat on. And again, it was another opportunity to represent my department, IGY6, myself, and to a different extent, Nextron. Having the opportunity to represent in a positive light is something that if I were to retire, quote unquote, as a competitive athlete tomorrow, I'd be more than happy to hang my hat on. You've got a pretty full plate, but have you ever looked at the combat challenge? Has that been an adventurous to you at all? I like the combat challenge, right? I feel like me stepping into the combat challenge would be almost a one-to-one comparison of me throwing on some skates and trying to play hockey. It's a different animal altogether. And one of my partners on the board of directors of Next Wrong, Louis Disney, is huge in that space. Like he loves that shit. And I'm looking at it and I, listen, I know how tough it is to, to maneuver and and operate in gear and nothing I've ever done in gear with the game, with the exception of the New York Minute. But even then, I didn't have a bottle on I full boots, PSS, pockets full of tools, the whole thing. That's that's one thing. But doing and mimicking job movements at a high speed is just something I've never really considered. It's definitely interesting and maybe something I would do at some point to kind of just check that box. But listen, I, I did it. The, the long answer is, even if I were to start it, I'm not even sure where to begin because that it, it looks like five minutes of misery. And that's coming from a guy who competes in CrossFit. You switched from engine to truck. Do you have a preference? Do you have a place you want to go next? What's your outlook on your career ahead? So I'm, I'm back in the engine after I'd gone through where I'd gone through in the place I was at. I, made, I decided to make the move and bank and gamble on my own happiness. So I wanted to transfer into an engine company in Manhattan. And the, that was like a, a, a career and life-saving move, just, just talking more so from a personal and emotional perspective. I genuinely enjoy both sides of the job and being able to be proficient in both because of my experience on both sides is invaluable. There's nothing like having the nozzle. There's nothing like being the guy to put out a fire. Don't get me wrong. I love that. That's There's no bigger flex as a fireman than putting out a fire. That's what we're there for. Because what's the old quote? You've never seen a Halligan put out a fire. It, it, it's 110% true. Now, the physicality of the truck is great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, pulling ceiling, blowing through a door, on your hands and knees in a hot room, banked out environment. It's great. I'm an engineer. This is where I'm at in my career. I enjoy being in the engine. And the next move for me, God willing, is a promotion to lieutenant. And then from there, uh, I'm on the good humor of the department. <laughs> When's the LT uh, position available to you? The exam went off last December. And so it's just a matter of the establishment of a list. So I, I scored well on the exam. So I, I you know, I'm, I, I am up for promotion. A couple of different rumors floating around would be either later on this year or early next year. The beautiful thing is, I'm at a point in my career, I'm in no rush because I'm extremely happy with where I am. So, you know, I'm going to enjoy my time, continue to learn as much as I can, continue to learn as much as I, as I possibly can about the buildings in my area. Because if anybody's transferred from a more residential area to a more busy commercial area with high rises and what we call class two buildings in Manhattan, it's 
dealing with a different monster altogether. So I want to enjoy my time with the guys I have the privilege to work with. And the goal is to, to continue to learn. And whenever I'm called, I'm called. Do you get the opportunity once you've written to act in the position or do you just go from being on the engine to promoted and working as an LT? From what I've seen on the job and what's traditionally done is as guys, as it becomes a little more evident that a fireman's promotion date is coming, a lot of the officers will help facilitate the process and in introducing them to the position, whether it's, hey, on this run, you're the boss, figure it out, do what you got to do. Little things like going over administrative stuff, bosses will hop out with. There are situations where a fireman can cover as a as an officer temporarily. If an officer does take an emergency leave or goes out of medical leave, they usually go by um, whoever is on the, the promotion list or seniority to serve as the officer until relieved by either an officer bought in on overtime to cover or until the end of the tour. So there are opportunities for someone who is close to getting promoted to at least start the process of getting their feet wet. And any coming up with IGY6 or next rung that you want to mention? This will be the third year we're doing it. We're doing the next rung's got your sixth throwdown. Our first year, three years ago, was just on at one gym in Brooklyn, Coney Island Fitness, and we were able to raise, I believe we were able to raise about 15K for next rung. Um, the next year, Blake was like, hey, man, I want to do one in Georgia down by me. So we did... One in Brooklyn, and then I think it was a, a week buffer, and then we did it in Georgia, and that was a three-person team event. In the last calendar year, gyms had started reaching out to us to host a throwdown event. So what initially started as one gym, fast forward three years, is now four different locations with four different formats. So on, uh, on May 13th, we're going to be at Columbia CrossFit in Columbia, Connecticut, which is just outside of Hartford. On the 20th, a week later, we're back at CrossFit Unyielding. We're doing a partner event down there. July 8th, we're going to be in Black Lake, Ohio at CrossFit Future. I believe July 20th or 22nd, uh, we're going to be at my now home gym of CrossFit NPV in Long Island, New York. And every dollar generated, whether it's through sponsorship dollars, athlete registration, goes toward the work that Next Wrong does. And you know, just, just looking at some of what we've accomplished in 2022 through our impact recap. Next Wrong has a peer support line that is operational 24-7. We took 288 calls last year. And every time you text our support number, which is, and I'll throw that in a caption, but it's uh, text support to 833-698-7864. You're getting either an active service or retired member of service within the firefighter community that is a trained peer counselor to at least talk with you and help you go through what you're going through. And if there's something we physically can't help you with, because again, we're peer counselors, we're not doctors. We can help you and, and point you in the direction of professional counseling and if need be inpatient or outpatient treatment. So every dollar we get genuinely goes to the work we do. And the more money we generate helps us more effectively help people. I've never really seen, and again, I, I've, I've done business with and been a part of other charity organizations that do a couple of things throughout the years, whether it's a monetary donation in the form of money or, or equipment, whatever it might be. But I've never seen one that operates fluidly as almost as a machine and as a business where it's constantly working, it's constantly fluid, it's constantly doing something. And having the availability of funds to help somebody, no questions asked, is is unreal and this is my way of paying it forward for the, the help that was given to me so those four events and there may be a couple more on the horizon i don't think as long as i'm throwing these throwdowns down i don't think i'll turn away a gym that is willing to help us out 
it's an honor that a gym or whomever will reach out to us and be like, man, you know, you guys are doing something great. I want to help. So it's four events this year, maybe one or two more this year, but this is something that I hope to God will be a constant winner for next wrong and for those who need the help. Any interest or plans to come north of the border? Are you offering? <laughs> well, I'm sure between me and Britt, we could probably set something up. I mean, that'd be great. I love Britt. Actually, like I competed in uh, in Collingswood back in 2019 at uh, the Underground Games, where it was discovered that me and swimming don't get along really well in <laughs> deep water. I, yeah. I, St. George's Bay, I jumped in and flipped out. I absolutely would love to come north of the border. That would be great. And the eventual goal would be to have next rung be more than just something that is experienced within the continent of the U.S. I'd definitely love to have something eventually take off in Canada because if it's a resource that's needed here on our end, I can only imagine what places that don't have a peer support crews or a counseling service unit. It's a necessary tool for first responders. Well, if anyone up here is interested in setting something up like that, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Easiest thing in the world is email, chris at nextwrong.org. Very straightforward. And like most people my age, my phone isn't more than three to five feet away from me. So I'm generally speaking, very quick to respond one way or the other. Either that or the IGY6 uh, main page, which is uh, at NYC underscore IGY6 Fitness. Myself and my wife are on there. So if I don't see it, she doesn't. She lets me know. So that would be the easiest way. Also, yeah, that's definitely the easiest way to get a hold of me. And then from there, it's it's pretty much, hey, let's set up a Zoom conference. Let's talk and we'll take it from there. Nice. Well, I'm glad we had the chance to chat today. This was a real privilege. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. And I, I really do appreciate you having me on.